0: Welcome back to another episode of Outstanding in the Field, a podcast by Perennia highlighting production practices, pest management, and more for field crops in Nova Scotia. I'm your host and provincial field crop specialist, Caitlin Condon. My guest today is Horst Bonner, soybean specialist at the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs, where his work focuses on production techniques for soybeans, including variety, tillage, disease, and fertility management. Horse frequently collaborates on research and demonstration projects on crop management issues and is here today to chat with me about white mold management in soybeans. All right, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's great to be with you here. Awesome. So our topic today is going to be white mold in soybeans. So to start things off, can you talk a little bit about the disease cycle?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, soybeans are a big crop for us here in Ontario. And and of course, when you have a lot of soybeans in the rotation and other crops as well that are hosts, the disease starts to build up in the soil. And so in terms of the life cycle, the plant gets infected, often, usually through the open flowers, right in the case of soybeans, and, and then that disease starts to break down the plant and and it actually builds little black overwintering bodies right on the plant usually the bottom half of the plant maybe the mid canopy and then you'll see them um, on the outside of of the stem or if you break it open they're on the inside and then they those fall to the ground those are called sclerotia Mm -hmm. They fall to the ground and then of course if they overwinter and then the next year, if the conditions are right, which is kind of, you know, 5 to 15 degrees Celsius, uh, ideally, they will sporulate, they'll germinate, and then they, they will actually throw new spores, they're called ascospores, into spores, into the air. And there are millions that come out of these little mushroom-shaped uh, bodies that, that you can see on, on the soil surface. And then they reinfect the next host crop, so that's kind of how it works. So really, um, you know, we talk about the, the spores and we talk about the sclerotia, which are those little overwintering, uh, some people almost call them mouse turds because they kind of <laughs> look like little, uh, little black bodies, right? That, that fall on, on the soil surface. So that's kind of a real quick way of thinking about the life cycle.
0: Yeah, so it's overwintering right in the soil, Well, yeah, that's right.
1: Those those will fall Mm -hmm. on the soil surface, of course. And then if they get worked in through tillage or even just through cracks in the soil, they'll they'll work their way down and they can survive in the soil for a long time. You know, Mm. we used to say, we used to say 10 years, but to be honest with you, our our practical experience has kind of shown it can be much longer than that. Oh wow. Now of course. They, they, they decrease in number quickly every year. Like you, you can have a drop in even 50% um, mm-hmm. the, the next year. But the problem is you need so few of these things to survive because they literally produce millions of spores, right? And so as you can imagine, it's, you don't need a lot in the field to kind of contaminate the field in, in terms of the possibility of having a problem the next year. Now, having said that though, having said that, I think the key to remember is that with respect to soybeans, we actually don't get too excited if we see a little bit of white mold. And and what I mean by that is, you know, there's an old saying here that a a little bit of white mold uh, shows that you have a good crop. In other (laughs) words, it's lush, it's big, it's healthy. uh, And a little bit of white mold, we're we're willing to put up with that because it shows that we've got good yield potential you know the 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 whole trick is yeah we can lose one or two percent of the yield due to white mold the the whole problem is if you have a, a real load of the disease and then you get the weather conditions that blow it up then you can go from a few percent loss to a huge disaster and you know worst case scenario we've all you know seen how bad white mold can be it can really rob a producer of, of what could have been a great crop, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. So at low levels, you can kind of balance that out with a, a good, really good producing crop and a healthy crop, but yeah, it's when we get into those higher levels and, and more pressure that we run into some trouble.
1: Yeah. And, and, and the crazy thing about that is right. It so much depends then on the weather. And of course, also when the beans are flowering, is the weather conducive at that time to really develop a lot of white mold? So, if it's yeah. you know cool and wet during that early flowering, even into, into mid flowering, that's when you can have a real infection. And of course, you don't mm-hmm. really see the infection right away, you only see it once the beans start to physically die and then it's it's too late so that's part of the issue right you almost have to plan ahead of time and it can go from you know this situation where we don't worry about it to a complete disaster pretty quick and it's hard Mm -hmm. to know how to really assess what will happen there right in 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 the year of
0: so you mentioned that the um The biggest risk of infection is at that flowering stage. So when we're thinking about scouting, do we want to be scouting right around there as well?
1: Yeah, you know, as agronomists, we love to talk about scouting. You know, this is kind of <laughs> one of the things we hang our hat on. Let me throw uh, IPM at you now, too, right?
0: Um, Perfect. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> some of these other other things we love to talk about in, in agronomy. And, and what I what I'm getting at here is uh, it's really difficult with soybeans to scout early enough to really have a sense of what's going on, and and it's because those little those little overwintering bodies, those sclerotia, those are almost, hard, you know, you almost have to sieve the soil to try and find them. Okay, so we're not doing right. that. No. So then if you look in the field on the soil surface, yes, sometimes you can see those little mushroom, mushroom uh, come out of the soil surface and, and you can see them around. But the problem with that is there's a bunch of lookalikes that aren't mm-hmm. All that different, and you're, no one right. is going to take the time to find these things, right? Right. <laughs> so then you're left with well, usually when I get the call is when the beans are starting to die, the physical patches in the field, yeah. right? And you know what that looks like? They're, they're starting mm. to turn color, and then you walk in there, and there's individual plants that are actually dead, and they have that that kind of cottony uh, mycelium there on the stem. And it's pretty obvious what, you know, it's called white mold for a reason. You can see it on the so All that that to say is, you know, we've kind of gone away from talking about scouting for white mold and more uh, thinking about the history of that field, right? Mm -hmm. Does it have I had the problem before and then planning for uh, a management strategy now, There is a, an app you can download called Sporecaster from from this from of our friend some of our friends in the states and mm-hmm. you enter a couple little things and you know stuff like row width and are the beans flowering and, and there's a few prompts but not too many and it takes the weather into consideration for your area and it will tell you if you're at low risk for spores or high risk. Um, so it's, it's worth playing with, it's called Sporecaster and mm-hmm. it, it does work here in Ontario and, and, and I guess you'd have to try it in your part of the world, but I think, I think it does work pretty much right across, right? So, oh, awesome.
0: worth trying. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's nice to have, like if, if we get into that situation where by the time we're actually seeing the signs and the symptoms, it's really too late to to manage it appropriately. So it's great to have a tool that we can kind of try to look ahead a little bit and and be prepared for that. Yeah,
1: yeah. and 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 I think that's the way to the way to really think about white mold. Uh, the word you use there is prepare, right? And, mm-hmm. and really, we need to prepare the year before, well i mean right right through your whole cropping system really is is, is this is yeah. a multi pronged approach right and so yeah it's not one of those things uh that we have a quick fix for right um, if you have a lot of white mold pops up you know the phone rings what do i do and it's it's not always a fun conversation right no. because a lot you can do if it's later in the season yeah. and the sprays, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the timing on the sprays for sure. But, mm-hmm. you know, often when we get the call, uh, I've got a, a lot of white mold here or it's really starting to come and, you know, the weather looks wet. What do I do?
0: Sometimes it's just too late to do much, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, so let's get into that. What is the proper timing for fungicide application for white mold? The right way to think
1: about soybeans and fungicide control of white mold first of all is that there are big differences in terms of the efficacy so you have to really check the the, the specific product that mm-hmm. they, they're not all created equal and they're totally open about this right there's yep. and the, the other thing you got to remember is that none of them none of them are a uh, complete control like yeah. Roundup is on a susceptible weed. Like it doesn't work that way. It's, it's, it's suppression. And it, in some cases, if everything works out perfectly, it does a really nice job, but it's mm-hmm. not, you know, a 100% I spray, the problem is gone. So just starting yeah. out with that, right? For so sure. then sure. if we think about the timing, um, basically, You want to protect the flowers fairly early, so not before they start to flower, right? So that's obvious. But the Mm -hmm. problem is then, you know, a lot of the infection often happens around R3, R2 and R3, which is Mm -hmm. in the flower, even into early pod set. Right. As you can imagine, then, you know, and we've done lots of trials on this in the industry. Personally, I've done trials, but the industry, you know, and I mean by that soybean world, you know, has done many trials to try and figure this out. And so it's a little bit of a misunderstanding to think that you can spray once and get good control. So, what I'm getting at, if there's a little bit of white mold, a one time pass, in our environment is that full flower, R2, R2 right. and a half, even somewhere in there. Yep. But if you have a lot of white mold and this is your primary concern, you spray a little bit earlier, you spray late R1, maybe R1.5. I'm not a big fan of spraying You know, right at R1 in our mm-hmm. environment, it's a little too early. But then, you know, this is a long winded way of saying (laughs) what we have come to is you got to spray again. It's a two pass Mm -hmm. system. Yeah. Try and cover things from R1, 1.5 to R3, because these fungicides only last, you know, 14 days, maybe something like that. And so, you know, we both know that soybeans flower for, well, you know, could be four, or five weeks. Yeah. Uh, sometimes longer, and so how are you supposed to protect all those flowers? So not too early, not too late. How's that? <laughs> <down>? <laughs> How's that Virginia's answer. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I sure. Think if, it's, if it's a one-pass system you're working mm-hmm. with, R two point five is not bad. If right. it's a, if it's truly white mold, that you know this is a white mold season. Let's say yeah. you're at it in the past. You got to wrap your brain around at
0: least preparing
1: to spray twice, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And we've done some field scale research through the Atlantic Grains Council here in the Maritimes on just just this thing, on uh, the timing of the fungicide applications. And in years and in fields that we did see white mold pressure, we did see a yield increase for that two-pass system. So yeah, yeah. So now,
1: now you've you've worded that very carefully. I noticed <laughs> when when you sprayed once, did yeah. you see a response or not?
0: Yeah. So we the our treatments were set up um, a control, so no no application, and okay. then we did an early application only, a late okay. application only, and a two pass system. So everything in a white mold year, any of those had. A yield benefit over the okay. no fungicide but the the two pass system definitely had the most
1: right right and and now i mean i, I this is i'm genuinely curious here because yeah. you know i been chasing i've been ch- chasing fungicides on soybeans for many years you know we yeah. started in 2003 with this and we've never given up right so it's been a long haul here yeah uh, what what is your experience then if you don't have a big white mold year with that one pass is it zero or are you still able to get a little bit from other leaf diseases and and see the reason I bring this up is we have growers here who use the one pass system to try and control some of the other leaf diseases and then white mold is kind of in the back of their in, in the back of their mind right
0: yeah, for sure. No, and, and you're completely right. Like we do see a little bit of an advantage still when there's not white mold present. Um, so it is definitely catching those other, some of those other leaf diseases. It's just definitely becomes more prominent in, right. the, in those white mold years. Speaking of our trial, our protocol uses the same product for both the early and late application in that two pass system should you use the same product at both application timings or should you be mo- rotating modes of action within the season?
1: No, I, I, I get it. It's, it's a fair question. And, and, you know, you read the labels, some of them suggest that you use a different product. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them don't go down that road and it's really around, yeah. of course, resistance management is, is, is largely why that is. Yeah. Um And as a general rule of thumb, I think that is a good thing to try and do, mix up your chemistries from from that perspective. So we've, we've gone both roads as well, you know, following up the second time with something else. And in our high yield trials, we've tried to now use and we do use two different products Mm -hmm. because they do cover a little different spectrum of diseases back to this question of, are you just controlling white mold?
0: Right, yeah, for sure. And then
1: this thing about, um, you know, some of them seem to have a little more, I hate to use the word reach back, but they have a little more um, of a window where they seem to, to provide benefit. So what I'm getting at is if you can, you know, if you spray on the early side with one that does a good job on white mold plus some of the others but has has a tighter window and then you wait 14 days and you spray another one with a different set of chemistries in it we've just found that that is a little bit better for the big picture but yeah you know is the difference in yield significant often we can't even measure the difference to be honest, but I still think that's the right approach. And, and logically it makes sense to me. And and we have seen some benefit, right?
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the, the benefit to the resistance management and, and yeah, just hitting a little bit of a different spectrum makes complete sense. Yeah. Are there any products or fungicide technologies that you're excited about or that really stand out to you?
1: Well, I mean, here we go, right? The problem with white mold is that it it's one of the big big issues we have in terms of diseases or pests in soybeans around the world is what I'm trying to get at, right? Yeah. And so and you you know what they are? We could we can make a list of more than 3, but like you if, if you kind of say that root rot, the root rot complex is a big one, right? Including, and if you include Phytophthora in there and some of those Mm -hmm. ones, that's a big problem. Soybean cyst nematode is by far the biggest issue around the world and, and, you know, we have that uh, across most of Ontario now and it will be everywhere in the world eventually. It just, it it goes very quickly.
0: And, and, you know,
1: we know how to control that. The point is, White mold is the big one, right? Mm-hmm. White mold, is the big one, and there. Let me put it this way: you will you would get the Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> uh, if you had a true fix for white mold because it's across many disease, uh, many many important human crops, and yeah. it's a big disease, and but it's very virulent and difficult to control. So. All that to say is there's lots of people working on different chemistries, Mm -hmm. biologicals, strategies uh, in terms of tolerance within the cropping breeding system. That's a big thing. So it's a multi-pronged approach. There are many scientists working on it. But do we have the the silver bullet? Um,
0: Not yet. Uh, Hopefully someday, right? But not yet and until then we'll just continue to pay attention to our resistance management and using different modes of action and taking a real integrated approach not just relying on our on our fungicides of course but uh, everything that we can do to minimize the impact absolutely
1: you hit the nail on the head it's it's this idea of thinking ahead of time how do we approach this from a from as many angles as we can and we do have growers here who you know used to have a significant problem with white mold who have mm. it completely under control it's it's awesome under control, right? so it's not one of the, you know we, we just made it sound like uh, this can really be a big problem it can it absolutely can but if you if you are aware of it and you start to address it properly, you can get it under control and it's, and, and, and it's okay, right?
0: Yeah. So in a year where white mold is definitely present and uh, we've got the right conditions for infection and so on, how much of a yield boost could we expect from properly timed fungicide applications?
1: Right. So th- the, the answer really comes down to how much white mold you have. In that field, right? So it becomes tricky to throw bushels per acre at you, and but I will anyway because you know we have lots of trials. But what I'm saying is there's huge variability, as you can imagine, because it depends on how much of a yield loss you're talking about. So all that to say is, in fields with moderate pressure, we can have anywhere from a four bushel to as much, I've seen as much as a 12 bushel per acre yield response to a couple of fungicides. Our mm-hmm. average number ranges from four to six uh, bushels per acre. But in a lot of those trials, you know, in the area where we did them, we didn't have a lot of white mold. These were, mm-hmm. not, these were not inoculated for white mold. These are a piece of a real field. Yep. And so you get this issue oh, well, I mean, you know, I didn't have a lot of white mold in the trial. Look at the rest of the field, you know, that this kind of thing, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a significant number of bushels. One of the, the, the problems is though, let's say the field has a 45 bushel yield potential, you know, pretty, okay. pretty, pretty nice, not through yep. the roof, but pretty, pretty nice and it has a tremendous white mold load the weather is bad and you know in a really terrible situation you might reduce that yield to 20 bushels 15 mm-hmm. bushels without any control well okay. okay fine now you expect these fungicides to cure that problem it won't right. No. That's my point. <laughs> You're not gonna capture that that 20 bushel plus yeah. boss with a couple of fungicides. And so totally. it just doesn't work that way. And and so we almost, you know, in a way, again, the fungicides are a, a good strategy, they work well in moderate, normal kind of conditions. But if you've yeah. done yeah. nothing to control white mold with some of the other practices you know we'll get into and then you have the weather that goes against you uh don't expect these fungicides to rescue your yield potential even if you spray them in the perfect timing yeah you'll still have pretty big yield losses in my experience fortunately we know enough about the disease that we don't need to get to that place right we, absolutely we don't need to Be there right
0: yeah perfect so let's talk about some cultural practices that we can do to to reduce the risk for the future so once you've noticed that you have a white mold present what what can we do right cultural. no
1: it's, right i think this is the crux of the question right for so sure. the, first, the first thing is um because there are different hosts and non-host crops you you really should plan for a good crop rotation, right? Mm. And in in our case, when we go from two to a three year crop rotation, you know you know for us that would be corn, soybeans, winter wheat. Yep, that really reduces the amount of white mold, often to the point where the problem is already solved compared mm. to growing soybeans two out of three years, kind of thing, right? Yeah. So that's that's fairly obvious, but it's it's gotta be part of the conversation, right? For sure. Then the second one is, and we hinted at it earlier, cultivars, tolerant varieties, huge differences in the amount of white mold tolerance between varieties. I mean, we we've had trials where you know, right to the line, left-hand side, right, the, the, the beans are completely decimated. Other side where there's a different variety, uh, you know, essentially okay, right? Yeah. Uh, It's not that there's no disease there. There's there's no such thing as true resistance, but there's huge difference in terms of tolerance. So that's that's one we can't we can't ignore if you have a history of white mold, right? Yeah, for sure. And and then and then a big one, you know. And I I personally know growers here who have solved their white mold problem simply by going to no-till soybeans Mm -hmm. now you know there's another whole conversation about the value of tillage and soybeans depends on your climate and 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 i get all that you know and and i personally actually like to do a little bit of tillage for Mm -hmm. soybeans much but a little bit but the point is if you do no-till or very minimal tillage what happens is those sclerotia fall on the soil surface and they die Over the first, a lot of them, not all of them, but many more, compared to just working them in a couple of inches or three inches in the ground. You know, I mean, you're just tucking them away. uh You're putting them to bed nicely in the fall, so that the next
0: absolutely
1: following years you you can have them. You know, germinate and and cause you a problem if you leave them on the surface. Those stupid things die, right? And so that's a big one. And the other thing with no till is because the physical soybean plant is shorter in a no-till situation, and the the canopy doesn't fill as quick in in the spring because it's you know right. it's a little stressful environment. Yep, uh, that actually helps reduce the amount of white mold with respect to the climate, the microclimate.
0: Yeah, in we're getting the- more airflow and right. Yeah, right.
1: so no-till. I mean, no-till. We should not underestimate. Um, you know, I know some agronomists who who say the 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 answer to white mold, if you have moderate pressure, is simple. It is no-till. I'm not really in that camp. There still is, uh, you know, the, the 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 problem. It doesn't completely solve it, yeah. but for sure, it is something to think about, right? The, the the other thing that you brought up there is very important. The plant population, mm. which we try to get growers to reduce the amount of seed put down, so to your point, we get more air through that, the microclimate is a little drier, and we have seen some benefit to that, and then, and then you get to the question of row spacing, if um, heat units are not your number one limiting factor. Uh, we have growers, especially in eastern Ontario, and as you get into Quebec, that have moved to 30-inch rows. Mm-hmm. I'm not personally a big fan of 30-inch rows because you're immediately giving up a few bushels in, in, yield respo- in, in potential yield. But these, right. these growers have such white mold pressure that they say, I don't care what you have to say about a few bushel yield.
0: Difference. Yes. I
1: know that I can lose 20 bushels to white mold, so I'm willing to give up two. With respect to row spacing, just to get less white mold pressure on the whole. but again, it's it's you know it, it doesn't it doesn't solve the problem, but it does move you in the right direction mm-hmm. of, of things to consider, right? You need to first of all be aware of how much of an issue you've had in the past, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, that starts with actually being a able to identify the disease so yep. and it's not a hard one because you it's not a hard one if you get into the canopy and look here if, if you just see these dead patches and and you you don't really investigate it could be an, a number of different diseases right yep. and so it, it's kind of an obvious statement but you do have to actually know that you have that problem mm-hmm. and then you keep records Is to your point you know maybe some fields are better some are worse maybe you know it's it's a it's a it's the kind of soil where it holds more moisture maybe mm-hmm. you know more trees around whatever it is in that scenario treat that field with a little more respect in terms of white mold control but i i i think it's worthwhile noting that you can control some of the plant to plant transmission if mm-hmm. if the plants are touching each other which they always yeah. do soybean oil you can have some transmission from plant to plant so spraying later you can sometimes still have a significant yield response and when i mm-hmm. say later i mean r4 kind of thing right, right. but um you know, that's, that's really too late to control the disease. What you're doing is trying to minimize the, the overall final yield impact. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind that there, there may still be some benefit to spraying later if it's moderate pressure, but you've yeah. certainly missed the window of real suppression to, to that disease, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great point. Is there any technology that we can use to forecast a little further out, whether it's looking like it's going to be a white mold year or not?
1: No, because the thing is, it really comes down to the weather, right? Yeah, I mean, it sure. comes down to the weather. So you give me a good weather accurate report for the next three months, <laughs> and I will tell you what to do, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah right. <laughs> this is the problem. So I, I think that sporecaster helps you to think about whether the conditions are favorable for those spores to, to be in the air, right? If you have the disease, if, if they're not, you know, if you don't have a history in that field, you're not, it's not gonna go from no disease to a disaster in one year. That's not right. how this works. It builds up over years, right? And, and to that point as well, You know, those spores, they do fly in the air with the wind, but from what we have been able to, to document, it's not too far. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, we're talking about tens of meters, maybe a hundred meters kind of thing. They're not flying across the County to, from, from, you know, someone else to devastate your crop in one year. That's not how this works. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, let's really be clear about this. If you've never had white mold, right, mm-hmm. and and you have a half decent crop rotation, in other words, you don't grow soybeans for 10 years in a row, <laughs> yes. you're not going to go from a, a 60 bushel potential to a 20 bushel potential in one year, right. Well, even if it's a really bad white mold year and you've never noticed it before, but it's been there in the background and now all of a sudden yeah. it's there you're going to lose five bushels, maybe eight bushels kind of thing. There is a stepwise progression. Now, right. here's the trick, though. If you've had a year like that and then you plant soybeans again, mm-hmm. that next year, that's the year that can absolutely kill you because you really set up the potential and yeah. that's the year that can kill you, right? It's that that second one after you've kind of built things up. And that's why we're big on crop rotation, to get the numbers down again, right?
0: Yeah, any additional advice for soybean producers going into the growing season? Well, I I'm, I mean, I,
1: I'm personally quite excited about uh, where we're gonna end up here with soybeans. You know, we, we have had some real success in terms of managing soybeans to higher yields. If you plan things ahead of time, like we've really hit on here, and you choose good, high-yielding varieties. You know, and some of our performance trials now, last year was the first time uh, we had a performance trial that averaged 100 bushels an acre, right? Across mm. variety, averaged. I mean, wow. it's, it's astounding, <laughs> right? Yeah. right? So the, the point I'm trying to make is there's some good, solid varieties out there that yield better than the ones we had 15 or 20 years ago. And, and I know, again, it's not rocket science, but it needs to be driven home that if the conditions are good for soybeans in that year mm-hmm. and you have a good high yielding variety, those two things can come, to get, come together better than they used to be able to come together. In other words, mm-hmm. potential of that variety is higher now than it used to be. And so that's my main advice, uh, really focus in on those decisions. Now, obviously, you know, we're talking about white mold and it's, 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 we're (laughs) in the season and it's, it's over, but uh, I can't help, but, you know, drive that point home for next year.
0: Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I think we covered a lot of really great information here today and things to think about, in season, but also things to think about now that will impact the future and uh, years to come. Very
1: good. Yeah, it's been fun. I I appreciate your work. And and, uh, let's see how things turn out
0: this year. Thank you for listening to this episode of Outstanding in the Field. Stay tuned for a written summary coming up in the next edition of the Croplings newsletter, which you can subscribe to by visiting our website, www.perenia.ca. Subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on future episodes. Follow us on social media at NS Thanks to Perenia for supporting this podcast and our marketing and communications team, Moira Anderson and Patty Ryan for production and design.